Cradleine Network. Oh, God. No, no. My name is Connor alongside my friend Fox. It's the 281st episode of Space Spinner 2000. Podcast Two Americans Try to Make Sense, the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for October and November 1993. Progs 856 to 859. Getting close to the, close to the end of the year, Fox. Yeah. I mean, this was uh, much like the last, pretty jam-packed with good. Yeah, solid, solid month. Very, you know. W- w- I mean, it's a so down. Funny that, yeah, there is a down. I will, sure, I won't mention that. But <laughs> like, it's but, better to have one whipping boy than uh, five, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah, and a big change from months where from episodes where we had like you know eight or twelve thrills, even just to have this five. Oh and, God. We're going traveling this episode, Fox, as Dread goes to Egypt, Mean Arena arrives at the fighting pit, the Strontium dogs fly to the evil planet Lyra, Slain heads to Colchester, and Tyranny Rex returns to her old self and then warps to Earth. You know, I, I do want to say at the forefront where uh, he stole my apples, like or an apple from my cart, like this whole... Yeah. Because we'll get into it. I... Like where I'm on this weird fence now is that I get that Judge Dredd is this massive parody of everything. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's Japanese. It's not Japanese. It's super Japanese, right? right. Like it's super uh, all these things inflated, but it's also inflated from like a, a very particular sensibility, right? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I always feel really weird because it's like I hold up a crook and suddenly a man is shocked. You know, spare the rod, etc. And uh, <clears throat> I felt this way, you know, about uh, the Japan blocks and everything like that. It's it's definitely yeah. there with the Soviet blocks, etc. Uh, especially with the South American or the Pan Am, right? Yeah, let's let's talk about it a little more because I, I want to get through it, our more, first three Dread stories here before we absolutely. get to uh, that. I, the the one thing I just wanted to say is I don't know. I mean, I think Egypt's pretty cool. The history of it, so I'm like kind of into it, but also I gotta wear that hat of of skepticism. So mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'll say also if you want to read along from the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread the Complete Case Files 20. We're starting a new case file here, Fox. Uh then Slain Demon Killer and the Judge Dread magazines 306 and 366. Almost everything's collected um that we're reading this time, which is interesting. That's awesome. And, Go mean yeah. to. Or Mean Arena. Yeah, not Mean Arena. Mean Arena, sadly. Or I guess, no. Moderate. <laughs> I feel moderate about it. Anyway, What the here hell? We go. What the hell? <laughs> All right. <laughs> 301, Judge Dredd. <laughs> Script robot John Smith, Mark Miller, and Grant Morrison. Art robot Peter Doherty and Dermot Power. Letting robot Tom Frame. So, Conrad, at the start of this, I'm one of these people who are like... It's a it's a Grammy and Grampy. Don't don't be all mean to them, especially when they come out of a cube and they're like, oh, I did my time and now I'm back. It's 
breaks my heart, man. I, I love this. Is a, uh, I love yeah, an no, old this is, lady this is and a old heart, man. A heartbreaking series of uh, of a dread dread stories. Frankly, Fox or this this three, you feel bad. Really checks <laughs> checks my emotions at the door. I guess where it's like, yeah, I know I expected it, but also like, man, not even for the for the Grammys. Could have been. We didn't have to do this. None of this had to happen. <laughs> John Smith. I see what you're like. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, John Smith and Peter Doherty starting us out here as uh, elderly couple Merv and Darlene are trying to drive their way around Mega City One and getting lost. And they wave down Dread for directions. And Dread himself says, Are you guys stupid? I send people to the cubes for nothing, oh, basically. God. It's really bad. And then also, he sends them to the cubes for nothing. Yeah, Dread checks Merv's documents and sees that he's three months overdue for an eye test, which he missed because oh, they were on I vacation was in, in Britain for the last few months. How could I have done the thing? And man, let me tell you, as I just learned very recently, passing the border guard, who's like, "Hey, listen, you're uh, you're up in three months. You gotta you gotta get this document updated." They don't care where you do it. They got yeah. embassies. Like you could get an eye test. They got eye. Listen, they got eye places well, here in in a, in um in a present day Brit said Fox. I, I got to get new glasses myself. But God. anyway, hell, <laughs> yeah. He gets Dread gives him sixty days for this and advises him to get a new set of eyes, which Dread would know. Of course, he's got cyber eyes himself after getting them poked out in the city of the damned storyline way back when. More than half his body is robot at this point. I feel like (laughs) just just a couple pieces. I mean, because you know how he feels about it. Well, he hates robots. I'll tell you that much. But robotics, nah. Oh, yeah, no, but those, yeah, he does appreciate the efficiency that cybernetics can give you, certainly. Um, And indeed, we see that Merv's glasses are pretty thick. 60 days later, Merv's getting out of the cubes and is hot to get an eye test so he can get driving again. I love it. He did his time and he's like super stoked. He's like, let's fucking get on the road and do it legally. I mean, when you're, once you get to be old, I feel like honestly everybody in Mega City won. Like, you're gonna spend some time in the cubes in Mega City One. You know, you can't so not. I, I'd basically, say, I'd say sure. Except also, like he was, he did his time, and his oh, yeah. first thing out of his mouth wasn't, "I'm gonna get back at that Judge Dread," which is no, what no, we've no, normally no. seen. It's like, nah, man, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna make sure that I'm ready to to be absolutely kosher with the law. Yeah. We're gonna, no, good we're citizen gonna, here, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, everything they've done is be a good citizen except getting mooked. Yeah. At the exam room at um at the uh, at a vehicle express, he totally flunks his eye exam. They're terrible. Darlene suggests using their meager savings to get Merv new eyes. See, but, this, oh, wait a minute, says the this, car salesman. Hold on. I'm going on a tirade. <laughs> I'm going on a yeah. tirade here. There's very few of these this month. I promise, Conrad. So okay. he goes to a a like what is basically a used car salesman plot mm-hmm. to get his eyes checked for a government exam. In other yeah. words, this shit's been privatized. And oh, yeah. quite honestly, how can you even trust them when also the guy with the unibrow is listening in on them and being like, oh, you got money, hey? So it's it's literally the worst nightmare of like, ah, yeah, we don't we don't actually have socialism here 
we just like pawn it off to whoever and they could fuck with your eye exam and say it's bad and then uh, want you to stuff a brain in your fucking car pewter. <laughs> I mean, listen, I feel like honestly of the um, <laughs> of the government uh, sm- uh, uh, business connections in this very dread story, the eye exams, the car place is the lesser of them. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that this guy is literally the crux of why all the problems started, and I guarantee that that oh, yeah. fucking eye exam was rigged. Well, I'm, I, I'll disagree a little bit, if just to say that I don't think it's any less... He was less, willing it, wait, 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 to... Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. I just want to okay. say that it's it's no less ethical than having an eye exam be at the, at the glasses store, you know, in terms oh. of... Like, but yeah, but they're they don't trying de- to sell you things. But they don't decide whether or not you have a license, whereas this guy's like, oh, I these people need a car to drive them. What with my eyeglasses shop here that determines whether or not they can have yeah. a car. Here's no, I your think computer. Yeah, I agree that this is this is one of those, um, listen, we got to get this story going. We can't have an act. Like, we don't. We don't have space to have a have the eye doctor be separate from the car salesman. You know, it's very much like I, how it has I, I to get, go. I get it. It's more of that. I man, in normal detective work, this guy would be the culprit more than anything else. Oh yeah, or I guess, listen. Or I guess, yeah. like literally the the law yeah. provided by Magruder, which we'll figure right. out. Right? No, exactly. You know, listen. Listen, yeah, let's talk about the culpability at the end of the story here, Fox. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. The the car salesman, like, Darlene says, oh, we can use our our meager savings to get you new eyes. And the car salesman's like, hey, if you got meager savings, then I have a, I have a car for you. <laughs> Can't wait to show you how you can spend that meager savings. Yeah. It's a teeny tiny little car that drives itself with a... Uh, live human brain as an AI. So it, well, and specifically, it's like you can't have an AI-driven computer without a license, but the brain computer AI, you don't need It's a like license. having a chauffeur. Yeah. Um, but once the car's out on the road, it starts driving super recklessly, the car does, and then introduces herself. Itself, the live human brain driving this car is Lenny Lee Lucas, which I guess name sort of a serial killer or based on that serial killer, Henry Lee Lucas. Although I think he looks kind of like flea from the red hot chili peppers or something, or the, the guy that gets hit by acid in RoboCop as well. Um, also he's back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's back alive and he's got some scores to settle Fox. He's going to crunch this boot, this bub's belly up against <sighs> this year, uh, this year wall. That's right. Yeah, the service station. The car honks its horn and rams the station attendant when he comes out. Pimp this ride, or I'll crush this grease monkey. He would say later, but pimp my ride, not part of lexicon just yet. Well, you gotta, you gotta. Uh, what is it? What's that meme? I'm, I'm gonna put. You got put guns on my guns. Some guns inside these guns. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Yeah, exhibits gonna help us out. Soon the car is flying through the sky with wings, jets, and a whole bunch of guns strapped onto it. Lenny, or sorry, um, yeah, is it Larry? Is it Lenny? Yeah, Lenny, I should say. Checks on uh, Merv and, and uh, Darlene. They fly off and then start singing Money by ABBA. Meanwhile, Dredd and some other judges are investigating the service station and APB's out on the car la- 
last seen heading up uh, La Bianca, which you'll, of course, remember from the Char- from the Manson family murders, the La Bianca Tate murders, etc. Um, just got some murder words here. A judge tells Dredd about the autopilot and how selling off wiped brains of perps for science purposes is a new PR plan by Magruder. But it seems like this time the brain wiping didn't take. Now it's 100% that it absolutely works except for when it doesn't, which is this time, which I guess is 99% of the time. That's what rounding up gets you, Fox, you know. Now, Lenny Lee, a.k.a. the karaoke killer, is on the loose once more. You know, I I get the karaoke killer bit because he's singing the whole time, but also, Mm -hmm. like, he didn't kill in karaoke's. I guess he just sings while he murders. I think that's what it is. You're right, though. Yeah, that's not the circumstances. It's not like he kills people at the karaoke Now now I remember my pithy remark, which is, oh, he was also a part of an Asian triad. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah, mm. karaoke. He's probably out for revenge against his old gang, and Dredd isn't super bummed about that, because, hey, like, he'll kill the old gang. I guess that's well, fine. Well, he's also like, ah, they they got away from us all the time, so now we'll get them. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, bud. <laughs> the members of Lucas's old gang, having now gone straight, are chilling in bath towels at a big sauna when they're suddenly all blown away as the car Merv and Darlene come shooting in and blasting everybody. Lenny recounts how the gang left him to die during a raid on an organ bank. He wants justice, especially against a boss named Jimmy. And he uses, like, a robo leg that pops out of the car yeah, to get info. Yeah, it's like a drill to just, like, drill into his body while he's giving him... It's like... Yeah. Why he's do you just- need... You don't need a drill for a car. That's all I'm saying. Clearly you do, especially if you're going to interrogate your old buddy Tofu to get some information about this stuff. Tofu, also. Mm. Mm. Dredd gets a report on the attack that the leader of the um, White Tongue Gang, Jimmy Chin, is operating an art gallery on Morasco Boulevard, which I didn't recognize as a name, um, where Chin is showing up. And we cut there and see Chin showing off a real art piece, the costume for the execution of the Testament of the Marquis de Sade by Jean Benoit, which is, who's an extremely sinister, surrealist um, uh, sculptor and artist. There's a page out of sequence here as a goon warns Jimmy that the karaoke killer is back from the dead as Lenny scolds Merv and Darlene for not, you know, getting down with the violence and stuff. And he's singing, you're the one that I want from Greece. In the present, What's we see Dredd. Of, pussycat? Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Which is not the from pres- Greece. Yeah. No, well, that, because first, because he doesn't sing that yet. He's No, I know. To, I, I'm just. That's Tom Jones, savvy. buddy. <laughs> Um, in the present, we see Dredd arriving to find the gallery in flames. As in flashback, we see Lenny blasting through the place, singing What's New Pussycat as Jimmy carjacks a vehicle. And then we see the timelines then merge as Dredd finds him trying to get the car started as Lenny comes swooping in, guns blazing. I get chills, they're multiplying, and I'm loose and control. <laughs> Tell me what more, tell me more. Was his brain in a car? <laughs> <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. Did his ass have a scar? <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. Was the car able to fly? Okay. Rubble rains down as Jimmy's stolen mm, car. Mm, bop, bop, or- mm, bop, bop, mm, bop, bop, yeah. 
<laughs> Rubble rains down at Jimmy's stolen car is Dredd warns Lenny not to make any sudden moves. Uh, Jimmy tells Lenny not to do anything stupid, so Lenny just opens fire. Inside the car, Darlene's having trouble breathing as Dredd opens fire on Lenny, but his bike can just bounces off. Oh, no. The car rams Dredd, and the lawman leans onto it, deploying a cling net to hold onto it. This is new gear, Fox. He's shooting it right out of his body. I think out of his gloves. Out of his glove bits. Uh, He's sticking onto that car real good. He's going to have a hard time. Yeah, I think, well, Dredd's got pockets on the end of those gloves, so they could be coming out of that or something like that. I don't know. I do like that he says, you and there, sit tight, help us on the way, as in, maybe I won't arrest the both of you. You're all right. I guess <laughs> he means more of that, stay safe so I can arrest you later. Yeah, that's basically what it is, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um. Central is deploying H-Wagons as Lenny flies off. Dread clings for life as the car sings, staying alive. The H-Wagons are in range, but they don't really want to shoot the car down with Dread they don't have They don't have tractor beams, and also the foam ain't going to work right now and all this other stuff. But hey, look, Dredd's is getting dragged into the pavement. This is where <laughs> I feel like there must not be any upper part of his of his head. I know that we've seen it. Yeah. No, it just kind of stops the nose. <laughs> like, well, like at like half dome. You know what I mean? Like half mm-hmm. of your cranium is gone. It's getting scraped on the thing. So either that's that, how powerful that the helmet is. That's why he never takes it off. It's either that's how powerful it is or he's got padding because from. Tiny a, head? A, yeah, it could be that. I mean, we've seen <laughs> yeah. his head. That's true, but only during dead man. So it could be anything. It, it could be anything under there normally. They just, um, he's like, take, take half of it off. I want to yeah, be myself when he came again. Back. Yeah. But they just, they filled his, they replaced like, you know, his frontal lobe with like metal or something like that, you know. <laughs> no, nah, just grit and um, city spirit. Yeah, I don't know. Superpowers toughness, you know. But yeah, like you said, the H-Wagons, their tractor beams are on the frit, so Dread can't just jump off. And again, I thought this is a pretty fun moment where Lenny go, like, drags Dread on the ground, but only his helmet's making contact. So, like, it's the only thing that's keeping him from being street pizza, basically. I wish there had been some helmet battle damage um, in the story, but it sort of comes out okay. I mean, listen, he's got huge vigor, you know. He's been really putting this, his points into that. Plus, you know, yeah. he's he's been looking at, at different accessories that he can use in order to battle this boss, which he's done a few times. He's tried to summon some friends... Uh, that didn't work. So he's going to do this one solo. He's like, ah, okay, I get it. So, you know, Fox, I need a Fox, little bit you're, more immunity. You're, 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 you're spoiling the Elven Ring reference. I was going to make in Strontium Dogs, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe this. <laughs> um, so, uh, can, Lenny's headed out to the dust zone, a he- a heavy industry sector. Control realizes where he's headed specifically, and Dredd is going to like it. As inside the vehicle, Darlene has a heart attack. No, Darlene! I mean, this is the thing. She should have put more resistance into death. I'm uh, not sure which specific stat that is, because I don't have Jesus. my brain on me right now. Well, no, there's literally a resistance to death in... Good thing to resist, certainly. You know, honestly, it's not about you dying. There is literally a status effect called death. Fair enough. 
<laughs> Lenny sings a song about being a suicidal death machine, which I can't seem to Google. And I feel like my attempts to Google actually lets me getting put on a list of some kind. Like I'm going to get mean, one of those. Know, listen, there's, these, uh, there's phone we're, numbers we're out there. We're a corporation and we're worried about you type um, emails or something, Fox. No good. Great great work, UK. <laughs> Make sure to monitor his Something. Google searches against his will. <laughs> I think it's, I I don't think it's the government, Fox. I just think it's the the oligarchs, honestly. <laughs> oh man, timely, timely. Control decides the only option is to hit the area with an EMP. As Dread finally reaches a hatch on the car that leads to the compartment with Lenny's brain inside of it, it's time to get my hands dirty. He says. I mean, this is the thing. You always got to reach for the hatch that says "Do not open." Good, always a good choice. Dread punches into the brain as the area is hit by an EMP, sort of a twofer here. The car crashes as Dread rips Lenny's brain out, and the vehicle crashes into just a big sand pit. The day's saved as Dread's arm is put in a sling and he's broken a few ribs. Darlene's dead from heart failure, and Merv's paralyzed from the neck down. And then Dread arrests him for being an accessory to about thirty different major violations. Well, Man, Merv, Merv is carted up, and he's like, "Listen, thank you so much. Uh, I know Darlene's in a better place. Thank you, and I'm just glad it's all over." And he's like, "Yeah, fuck you. You've yeah. your car is an accessory to no. Violence. It's absolutely true. Merv's a victim here. He wasn't in control of the car. If anybody, if anybody should be arrested, it's the it's guy the brain. who was in charge of a, of a wiping the brain who the well, one who did his job incorrectly and started this whole sequence of events this is Merv what should be suing him and dredge be putting that guy in the cubes exactly where i think that like you know of course before this they're like uh magruder was like let's wipe these brains and make sure they don't have a murderer inside of them this is one of those exceptions where a murderer was inside of them did the killing spree and there's no exemption for the old man who just lost his wife and is now paralyzed? No exemption? Ridiculous. Really? I, mean, I mean, I imagine that, you know, he could do something in appeals. It just seems odd. It just seems yeah. like this is this is not the way I look at this. I'd love to see this, like, end on a technicality, but it doesn't because we've got to make sure that Judge Shred is also mean to old people. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's basically it. It's sort of dread being a jerk here. Anyway. Oh, I should say also, um, I'll mention that back in January, we had a very similar story to this, just in terms of it being a story where a human brain grafted onto a vehicle gets revenge against his former gang members, you know? But in that one, it was a killer motorcycle, and there were no innocent, uh, no innocents hurt in the course of it. So you know, come on, let's try to it's, get some it's not, different it's, stories here. It's not our first vehicle does murder, you know. That's true. That's true. There was that killer car on the moon. I think I remember a lawmaster went well, rogue once. Yeah, it happens from time uh, to time. It comes back to what the hell is that movie? Why am I forgetting the Maximum name? Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. That's Soundtrack it. Soundtrack by ACDC. Excellent. It, very good. But also, like, how many times can you do it? I guess four. I'm uh, my, my favorite part's when the vending machine starts trying to kill that guy by throwing soda cans at him. That's I would funny. love to see a movie about a murderous vending machine. Like, you know, Gotta it sucks. There. It sucks people up through, like, it's like I'm, I'm grabbing my cola or my Snickers because, you know, mm -hmm. I got to eat. And <laughs> this is the best thing I got. Yeah, get stuck uh, in there. Or you can make well, a porn about it, too, I guess. Anyway. Ooh. 
oh, daddy, I'm stuck in this machine. <laughs> okay. Not no good. Let's go. New story. Book of the Dead, written by Grant Morrison and Mark Miller. Art by Is Dermot Is this Power. better? Mm. Starts with a splash page that's also on the back cover of Prague 858. Lazy. Dread is arriving in Luxor, the Dread World Egypt, but apparently, like, you you were mentioning this earlier, Fox, and I'll say that my if I have a problem with um, Luxor here, it's that more than a lot of other places, it's just like... What are the, or I guess, you know, pretty much all Dread World places are just what are the stereotypes of this place? Let's base the judges on that, right? Yeah. Uh, see Judge Joyce, et cetera. The thing I mean, is, is that it's, it's the with, crook and flail, but they don't right. use the flail. They just use the electric crook. Well, we haven't seen the we, we, we haven't seen the flail yet. Who knows? But what's tough about the Egypt one specifically is that the stereotypes and culture that the judges are based on is like ancient Egypt, you know, yeah. like thousands of years ago. Hey, listen, what's with this guy? What guy? Ramses. Yeah. I don't like that guy. This Ramses mm. guy. Yeah. Ramses. Yeah. He's just the best judge. Whatever. He's pretty yeah. hurt that you're taking over his position while he's going to your position, which is the yeah, perfect judge of mega city. Who? We're doing Ramses. A, uh, oh, that Ramses guy? Ramses. Because okay. he's from Egypt. Yeah, we're doing kind of a of a exchange student thing where Dredd and uh the top Luxor Judge Ramses are swapping spaces. It's, we see the it's Luxor. Kind of, it's kind of like if Judge Dredd was called Judge Joe Football, you know? Judge Apple Pie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Judge Washington, I guess, just oh, after like Judge the most famous. Washington. Most famous. Why ruler have we not seen country. Judge Washington? Probably because it's too long to fit in the badge. To be honest, um, I mean, you would just call him Wash. Mm. And so it we would see be the a, Lux- and it would be a throwback to Wash on Firefly. Anyway, throw forward. Continue. It's 1993. <laughs> <laughs> so we see the Luxor Judge uniform. It's black and light blue. Again, a lot of ancient Egypt imagery, including like a snake. On the helmet, and they wear like sort of like skirts or whatever. Ramsey's off to Mega City One, and Dread meets his host judge Kamun, and we see that the only luggage Dread bought it brought is ammo. Suddenly, a call goes up: a thief has stolen an apple, and Kamun calls the man a sinner and zaps him with a lightning bolt from his staff, blowing his All, arm also right off. Also, straight up, is it like an apple? Apple? Or is it like you can a, see him holding like a green apple in his hand? Well, yeah. So that's the thing. It's like they're not trading with them for I don't know fucking fruit, fucking fruit, bro. You got you got like real apples. Who knows? You know, maybe like, they so do a little bit. So is it is it but, like but people like, apple? It's, I think so. But like you know, you don't you 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 can't like. You know, international shipping like across the Black Atlantic and stuff got like I bet the rich people in Mega City One can eat real apples imported from here. They have a giant tube that goes under the goo. Still got to get to that tube though. That's that's Britsit to uh, that's Mega City One to Britsit. What they don't want to have? They don't have one to Africa. Like really? I haven't seen one. They could. That's fair. They had to fly there on their little space plane. I'm picking nits, man. I'm sorry. And it could just be a be a Muncie and apple or something like that. Yeah, but still. they didn't like call a, it a, a Muncie. 
formed into an apple. One way or another, though, we're in one of these situations where you do a small crime and you get your 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 arm cut off from it. I which mean, is, well, you know, because like, hey, listen, it's like Hammurabi's code. If you're stealing, we got to take your these, arm, right? These sci-fi squabbles are distracting us from the racism, basically. Um, Hammurabi, Iran and Iraq. That's a different place, buddy. That's we're what in Luxor. It's like that's st- Egypt. But they're stealing, so you're taking the stealing arm, which has the apple in it. Yeah, but I feel like that. Then I don't know. It's just it's a rich. It's a it's, it's a, a weird thing. That's all I'm. I'm I'm just pointing out. Hey, man, yep. I get it, but also complicated. Am I right? Rich gumbo of stereotypes and um, you know, bad feelings. Spare the rod indeed, Fox. In an H-Wagon, they fly over the empty canyon that was once the Nile, its source destroyed by nukes during the war, and arrive at the city of Luxor, which I do think is pretty cool. It's this giant- It's the coolest, I would argue, the coolest of this issue image. Mostly because there's not a ton of fucking bubbles all over it. It's just like, look (laughs) at this fucking dope-ass techno pyramid that we made. Yeah, we got this full page of a giant tiered city, sort of pyramid-shaped, standing tall in the red of the sunset. Very nice. But inside the city, we see a judge walking the streets, saying all is well. I don't know why somebody called me out here. There's nothing going on. When suddenly a bandaged figure drops from above and rips out his throat. The figure, a mummy, snacks on human limbs as Kamun shows Dread his, Dread, Dread his quarters, and the mummy marks, his, marks Dread as his next victim. Hey, yum, yum, eat him up. I'm going to taste you, Dread. I'm going to taste that tasty Dread flesh. It's all right. I'm just going to bite you up. Next time, The Mummy Strikes. Starring Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. Love those mummy movies, Fox. I'm a big fan. That, uh... That uh, John Hanna guy, who's like the other uh, cowardly brother. Um, oh my in that god! A, a cat? Why? And then cats scare off the scarabs and the mummies. But then also, <laughs> I'm a big fan of that guy from the Spartacus show. Actually, good actor. <laughs> but then good. also, the Rock shows up eventually. So that's right. Yeah, CGI Rock, real good, real bad in that uh, Mummy Returns. What you didn't like him as a Scorpion Man? Well, listen. It's you just like you didn't like the rock as a scorpion man. I just want to. I'm just asking you an honest question. You didn't like the rock as a scorpion man. Half man, half scorpion. No, because half, half because, man, three quarter scorpion. Scorpion. Because it's the rock through the lens of like year two thousand CGI, so it's real bad, Fox. I mean, he fought seven of nine. Yeah, I mean, with they a weren't practical CGI. makeup effect on his forehead. <laughs> I'm just saying. Near the same time, no. Yeah, was it so Are bad to see him as as a as a yes. one quarter man and three quarter scorpion? Because I I was because I am a huge rock fan, Fox, big fan of Dwayne Johnson. No, and no one, no one because, is not a fan of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Because I know exactly what he looks like. Seeing his face all fucked up by CGI made me think like, oh, that just looks bad because I know exactly what he's supposed to be. And that's not it. <laughs> he's very hairless and not as sweaty. And yeah, very smooth. And that's, like, that's what tells you about the, that. Not quite that doing early the facial C- expressions. That you know? early CGI. Too smooth. Honestly. Yeah. No. Uncanny Valley. Anyway, speaking of problems with the uh, electronically enhanced Fox. Speaking of problems with fighting in the ring. Let's go to Thrill to Mean Arena. 
And in comes, from the right corner, the Spider Queen herself. Script robot Alan McKenzie, art robot Anthony Williams, letting robot Jack Potter. Our buddy Sam Granger is being summoned to the trainers. There's a guard with a thick neck that looks him over and sends him out to fight. Soon, Sam's wearing a red leather jacket with only one rolled up sleeve, gloves built in brass knuckles, and a knee and shin guards. Real cool. 1993, we're fighting dudes. He walks a line to enter the combat arena, an x-ray revealing that he doesn't have any cybernetic implants at all. He's 100% squash. But that's all right, because she's going to squash you between her thighs, between her arms. Between her eyes, it's the Black Widow. Yeah, that's Sam's first opponent, the Babely Black Widow. Long dark hair, dark blue, ripped up spandex costume, and a fancy Electro Whip. I would uh, clock her as a Julie Strain with a widow's peak fox. I mean, I would clock her as, yes, ma'am, you may step on me, please, at your leisure. You remember Julie Strain, Fox? Nope. Queen of the Bee movies? Nope. Uh, highly was recommended. She, was she, she the 50-foot the tall woman? Could have. I'm sure she was at one point. Um, she was also in the, uh, in the in, in not the first one, but a later heavy metal movie. Oh, She died okay. last year, actually, well, then, really no, sadly. No, then, but, yes. Yeah. As soon as you say heavy metal, a movie that I've watched a hundred times or more. So, anyway, we're be fighting this fight in an arena full of spikes, and it's time to fight. And of course, there are no rules. The spikes start to lower and the widow attacks Sam with her electro whip. He managed to dodge a few strikes, but suddenly it's wrapped around his neck and he's in the electro whip chokehold. Baga! I mean, listen, it's going to shock you. She's going to kick you in the nuts and she's also going to slam you into the spikes. That's right. Sam's getting choked and electrocuted. We learn that um, in this universe, the term mecher means a cyborg or someone with mechanical attachments, as opposed to a squash. Sam's in a bad way, but I guess in the arena, the spikes also, they're sort of rising and lowering constantly as the fight goes on. And because of that, he can use the spike. He can he can whip or wrap the whip around the spikes and use it to give him some slack to free himself from the chokehold and boot the widow into her own whip, electrocuting her. Granger wins. I mean, listen, that's just called smart maneuvering. Also, just saying if you were the governor, maybe don't have like conductive spikes going through the whole thing. You don't you don't have to create spikes that are conductive to electricity. That's all. What it is is what it is is breaking kayfabe and going into business for himself, Fox. Because this wasn't the script that he was supposed to lose this fight. Mm-hmm. But I guess he didn't know that because they just assumed the widow would win, and so they didn't even tell him he was supposed to lose. But what I do like about our hero is that he knocks her out. He doesn't kill her with this electricity, right? Because I guess it's not a kill move from her. She kills them otherwise. Yeah. Listen, Sam's a good worker. You know, he'll 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 do the match if you give him the finish. But if you can't, you got no one to blame with the booker if you don't tell him how it's supposed to end up, Fox. Come on, you're getting out there, working yourself into a shoot, brother, I'm, et cetera. I'm just, I'm just working us towards what is the eventual conclusion, which is a match made in Webbin. Because <laughs> of the spider stuff, I see. Because <laughs> she's a spider lady. 
Back behind the scenes, Meat Grinder compliments Sam and offers him a place in his gang. The widow shows up in mom jeans and offers Sam a, a chance to team up with her instead. Well, let's let's put a pin in that. It's literally like, hey, when you're done hanging out in the sausage party, come and meet me because you were willing to beat a lady up. Like she's, yeah, she's clearly, into it. She's got some very interesting rules that you can follow. Um, in the cell block, Sam asks Meat Grinder why he's being so nice to him, and Meat basically says, we squashes gotta hang together against these mechers. All you gotta do to be in the gang is go easy on other squashes in the arena and help out those that get hurt. Meanwhile, well, and, board- and she would be a squasher, right? Like, she doesn't have No, no, have no, no. she's implants. a mecher. She does, she does. She's got a robot hand. Oh, really? And she's into him? Mmm... I mean, she doesn't seem to differentiate between mech and squash, you know, and she surely you've got to respect those that beat you up, Fox. That's just the law of the arena. (laughs) So the suits are unhappy, Fox, because the governor of mean arena can't control his fighters. The suits are unhappy. Let's call the governor about it, because why isn't everybody following the script so that we can make all of our money on this? I feel like they have businesses outside of this one thing. I mean, these guys oh, seem like these they're... are oligarchs, and we should definitely take them down for a reason. <laughs> That's right, but they're—I I feel like they're the ones who run the mean arena, and possibly, you know, and they're like, it wouldn't surprise me if the mean arena has some rollerball style, like uh, controlling the population kind of stuff going on, and things like that as well. Anyway, the, the first two mean arena bat- bouts tonight both didn't follow the script, and they're pissed, and the governor Agrippus. Has to uh, Agrippus has to uh, get things under control, or he'll be in the next dang bout. Uh, backstage, a guard grabs Sam, and he's going to fight again. Personally, select to do so. At the weigh-in area, a bunch of guards are waiting. They tell Sam he didn't follow the script, and because of that, beat the shit out of him with nightsticks. Stomp his head I mean, to the ground. <laughs> we all saw it coming, but also I think we didn't see what's coming up next. Yeah, it's tough. Heads to the ring for the bout. Okay, fight fans. Your new buddy Sam Granger's back to fight again. It looks like he's doing some extra combat outside the ring, if you know what I mean. AKA getting beat up. And who's he up against? Only his new friend, the Meat Grinder. Oh, it's the one thing we didn't want to happen. <laughs> Don't worry, though. Meat Grinder says he'll make it fast and then whispers to Sam, You're going to win. <laughs> Grinder tackles Sam down and is both way bigger, stronger, and faster than Sam. But on this ring of blue and pink tiles, it seems some are danger squares that uh, tie you in place. And Grinder hits one of those and is trapped until Granger takes a free shot on him. Sam's it's first kind of shot, like uh, violent. Um, uh, what's that game where you spin the thing and then you're spin the bottle? Twister. No. Twister. It's like Twister. But dangerous. Twister's already dangerous if you're uncareful, buddy. Uh, honest to God. Careful. Honest to God. At my age, yeah. <laughs> Sam's first punch is too weak, so he takes another one. The first one's a thwock, which is not as strong as a woomph, by the way. <laughs> Grinders back up, but this time he moves, and then his arm gets hit in a danger square. Oh, Sam damn. hits him again. With the haymaker wood and grinder falls then into two more danger squares. He's at Sam's mercy, but now it's up to the fans at home to decide if Meat Grinder will live or die. Which one? We'll find out next time on Mean Arena 
Time out. <sighs> so I'm going to tell you, I'm still loving me, Narina. I'm still it's loving fine. it. No, okay. Uh, maybe this is an agree to disagree situation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love it. It's, it's got the drama behind the scenes. We know the stakes uh, kind of above. It's, it's low stakes in terms of a thrill, right? Like, yeah, this guy's like the super guy, right? But he's a fun super guy. I feel like he's not the worst thing that I've ever seen in this comic book. Sure. Yeah. I mean, to me, it just, it, it, this, it just feels very, it's just a very vanilla story for me, I guess, is what I want to say. I, I would agree with that, but it's not a story that's trying to reach towards all of the things that I know and try to make them relevant again because, hey, we've got these other two characters, am I right? And we're not involving the other people who made this story, am I right? This, what? We, uh, we're going to get to Strontium Dog later. But, <laughs> like, this this to me, it's, I, I enjoy it because it's a, it's not as high stakes. Like, at some point, a thing is going to happen to this guy that, Gives us some some insight into whatever sure. fucking cabal is happening, and that's fine. But he's making friends along the way. I like the characters that he's he's been yeah, introduced totally. to. Like I I find this the least offensive in terms of all of the things that I would say is like, eh, eh. sure. Listen, I'm not gonna. I don't want to talk you out sports. of liking it, buddy. That's not it's, my job. It's, it's sports punching. It's basically wrestling, but with like everybody is like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, I'm very oh God. There's so many places they could take this, and I'm um I know it's going to go someplace lame, but also I'm stopping us from tyranny, Rex. So please continue. You know, it's fine. Yeah. Hey, speaking of a deadly ladies, Fox. I mean, really. I I mean. Well, and and dark shit, just dark. And yeah. yeah, speaking of not of of less vanilla things, let's talk about Thrill Three Tyranny Rex. Script by John oh, Smith, God. art robot Paul Marshall, uh, and Gina Hart, letting robot Ellie Deville and Alita Fell. Tyranny Rex Fox, mercenary slash artist turned nun, is defending her convent from a bunch of nihilistic warriors intent on stealing the skin of God. And we, we get a lot more into uh, their weird bullshit now, like we <laughs> got to last time. Yeah, we're shifting from um, Mark Buckingham to Paul Marshall on the on the artist here, who the same artist that, that did a fire kind earlier in the year. What what I do appreciate is the really, I, I mean, it's heavy sexual overtones. Mm, yeah. I'm going to yeah, rub your head and I'm going to say... <laughs> Do a psychic for me. Yeah, listen. The uh, well, l- l- let me get to it as as we go through it here, Fox. Tyranny reads leads the less the rest of the nuns with guns, all aliens um of one kind or another, making a fighting retreat back to the convent as a cheetah nun cradling another nun that looks like some kind of pink fish or frog or something. Says that all their efforts are hopeless, but Tyranny says not to give up that hope. There's still High Sister Kira and the Godskin. In the baddie camp, the leader calls over their second-in-command and consort, Lars Montaigne. Maybe a reference to philosopher Michel Mon- Mon- 
Demontane, who knows, to meet the potato-shaped alien Richelieu, presumably referenced like Cardinal Richelieu, the the baddie from Three Musketeers and so forth. And yeah, like we're increasingly like this captain especially is very much like a kind of a a sinister homosexual stereotype, basically, as we sort of get through this one. I mean, yeah, in a big way. Mm Mm-hmm. Richelieu was apparently sold to the captain because he has a powerful empathic gift, which has been surgically enhanced, of course. The captain asks Richelieu to use his power to see the Vardogar. Um, and that's, uh, I thought this is interesting, Fox. I, I, I looked that, uh, uh, and, and that's that shape-changing demon baby from last episode. And that word, which has an O with a line through in the middle, is like a spooky feeling or like do- or a doppelganger kind of thing from Scandinavian folklore. A physical manifestation of a person before they arrive, like someone's footprints appearing in the snow before you actually, like be- 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 before they come to. Um, oh, man, I love like step that. them or something like that. It's oh, like I a version. It. It's like a. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's like a physical deja vu is what I saw it, it, it described a as, which I think is really interesting. deja vu. Yeah, I thought it was a little creepy. It's, it's nice. Um, so Richelieu reaches out and feels the monster expanded now into this giant, like, weevil construction, I guess. Digging through the floor to the god skin, which is so bright and terrifying, it almost overwhelms him. And, like, uh, the captain's got to, like, slap him to keep him under control. We see the Vardagar break through the floor as Kira continues her terrifying metamorphosis with the skin. And the beast drops a giant cage around both Kira and the god god skin made of its chitinous legs. Seeming to just seal it off, but still inside the convent, basically. Um, The captain or... Or Tranto, who I think I said was a lady last episode, but again, we see some more identification here. Definitely pulling sort of a David Bowie, Tilda Swinton sort of androgyny thing, if you know what I mean. Um, He feels that they have won as Sister Kira dies within the skin. The Reverend Mother... Mothers feel fear as they hold the mystic shield around the nunnery, but they know the truth as well. The leader of the mothers, First Mother Emnet, speaks. The god skin has been seized. It's beyond their reach, but also beyond the reach of the enemy because it's inside their shield, at least for now. The future is bleak, though, because they can't hold that shield forever. There's only one hope left. They must send one of theirs to Earth to awaken the Deus Machina. And the only one to There's do it is Tyranny Rex. And we've got to make her kind of bad again. Yeah, she's the only one with the ass-kicking experience to do the job as we see her flashing back to her two-gunned, long-haired past. Tierney's tried to put her life of violence behind her. Feels terrible, honestly, even about fighting in defense, in her own self-defense recently. And says, summoning the Deus Machina would be an atrocity. She can't do it. She refuses the mission. She'd rather die than do so. The Reverend Mothers are pleased by her devotion, but the God's skin cannot fall to the unbeliever. And so desperate measures are needed. The other gods, the, the other nuns seize her and take her to the shadow foundry. It is the I, time I, of harrowing. There is so much here. That I love that term. Not, oh, I, I know, but also the shadow you, foundry is a fucking... That's just a, yeah. I mean, this is this is feels like just classic uh, 
uh, John Smith like terminology, you know, um, of just like putting some very sinister type um, types like j- just words make you think about things and stuff like that. Um, also, I really like I don't know. Ha- I like the term the harrowing fox. Harrow is one of my favorite words, actually. Just um, oh, a harrowing is it means to like fantastic. You know, it it kind of like it, it means to like to draw out or to cause distress to and stuff or like like to pull forth. There's a uh, there's a role playing game I used to play called uh, Deadlands, which has a um, is like a zombies in the old west kind of thing, and you can play an un- and an undead character like like a you know that shows consciousness and stuff and those people and uh, the undead in that game are called the harrowed because they've been you know pulled back to life and stuff like that it's real cool anyway <laughs> in the shadow foundry we see needles pierce tyranny's face and go under her um under her fingernails as she passes out strapped to a chair and comatose they put weird insects on her skin needles get yeah into her spine and it's brainwashing time her mind unravels and is reprogrammed changing her from the calm repentant nun back to the badass murderess we all fell in love with she wakes up with narrow eyes and a confident smile a clenched fist she's finally kicked the habit and now it's time to kick some ass I mean, and does she, and, but also after a very dark situation. Yeah, and I love just the the imagery here. We get this whole big page by Marshall of um just all these sort of past imageries of tyranny, like smiling with guns and things like that, and just all these like images of violence and they're being like pulled out from her mind and, and made active again and stuff. It's really cool. But but also the fact that they've brought her there, made her nude, and mm-hmm. and oh yeah, no, like I mean really again. really assaulted her in a way that she wasn't willing to because she she was fighting the whole time like don't do this to me I don't want this the reason that she even went to the monastery and tried to absolve herself of this past. They are forcing back on her in a way which I feel can't be mm-hmm. understated. Like it's something that I actually yeah. very much like that is commented on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're 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 about to talk about it here. But first, um, outside in the Damite camp, some wait, no, sorry, the leader of the Damites um, lounge. I- lounge around in their tent. Sorry, the two leaders do and decide their next plans. The nuns are up against something and they can't say, or the nuns are up to something and they don't know what because Richelieu went into a coma after seeing the godskin captured. They plan to, re- to transfer Richelieu's spirit just onto a, fringe, onto a fresh torso and use the power again. Jeez. Meanwhile, tyranny has changed into the trench coat, booty shorts, and fingerless gloves of her previous persona. Pretty hot, eh? And the, as the captain seductively prepares to delimb their prospective torso, and tyranny is welcomed into the inner sanctum. She's not happy she's been brainwashed into being a badass. She says they raped her, like literally. She doesn't like being used. I mean, I, it's, not, it's not a small subject to say that, right? So for me, I'm glad that it's explicitly stated. And yeah, I, I like that they uh, had this conversation uh, yeah. for sure. Um, but then she says that she still has her faith that was retained. She believes in the mission of the convent 
and the sisters know what they must do, and she sort of accepts that this must be done. I think it's interesting to sort of like she still like she still maintains her faith and her devotion. And it's sort of like, but you guys are assholes, basically. Like, I'll do it, but you guys are jerks, is what it seems to be, The w- where it comes down here. The air fills with electromagnetic flux, and Tyranny walks into the flame the mothers have created. She gathers her thoughts and takes that final leap into the dark. Outside the Damomite camp, these soldiers are gossiping about their leader. Uh, they say that uh, Ortranto sold his soul to the Reverend. And then they basically just start having that uh, the Mitchell and Webb look like, are we the baddies sort of conversation. And as they do so, Tyranny converts to lights, to lights and floating sparks. Everyone in the camp feels a strange energy reaching over them like a razor sharp storm front. And as this happens, it explodes the soul trap holding Richelieu's consciousness, sending it into the ether. Tyranny, just a thought now, travels up through the the uh, energy shield, becoming wavelengths and frequencies, beads on a string. The spirit of Richelieu, of Richelieu impacts into her, filling her consciousness for a brief moment. But then, like a fuse of a bomb suddenly lit, she jumps. The Reverend Mothers know she'll reach her destination, but not what she'll find there or if she'll succeed. The floodgates open and Tyranny lies in the cold, unable to move, to breathe, and in agony as we see her smoking body has arrived on a rooftop in the giant megalopolis of 2177 Earth. It's full of, you know, bulbous cities and garish neon signs and stuff. The end of book one, Tyranny Rex will return in Prague 873 in February of 1994. <sighs> it... It was both dense, but properly dense. You know how I feel yeah. about a lot of words on things, but the characters, eh, honestly, the the arc that she's going through to get to where she is, is to me fascinating. Mm-hmm. I hope it sustains the course, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all this John Smith stuff, you know, and this one, like, you know, another one of these stories that really just like this one, especially, I think, really just let him be weird, basically, just throw a lot of jargon at you and have a lot of things happen. And in the best way, not really explain things, but just let the momentum carry you forward, basically. And I think this one was really good. And just sort of what, again, what I've come to expect from this writer in the course of this year, honestly, which is, you know, really good stuff. And with that, Fox, let's take a quick break before we get to the back half of our uh, thrills here. Hell yeah. And talk about non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. Prog A56, Rex Symbol. Paul Marshall draws tyranny with an Uzi. Meanwhile, 100 Terminator 2 mini-movies must be one, Fox. In the Nerve Center, Tharg demands that we fill out the exit polls of our fave and least fave thrills at the end of each episode. And then there's a big Nerf Center feature on a musical festival called Cyber Seed, which basically just seems like a cyberpunk night at a local London nightclub. Mid-prog, there's an ad for a uh, street self-defense course, which I was interested in because I was hoping I could find some videos of it and some dude like tossing people around or something like that. But, but no dice, sadly. Um, later, we see the contest, 100 action replay devices, which are a battery-operated box that plays a cassette 
with a loop of real movie film in it, like five minutes worth that you can kind of look at and be like, whoa, it's like I'm looking at part of the movie, basically like a very clunky analog YouTube of movie clips for things from 1994. Apparent also like I had to take a, I take a a couple minutes uh, Googling this thing, Fox. It's hard to find because action replay is also the name of a cheating device for several video game systems. So there's just a lot of overlap when searching there. Hey, listen. Gotta cheat. The letters page is a ton of compliments for Grant Morrison and Carlos Escara for Inferno. Doubt the existence of both Tharg and letters writers. Insult and compliment Tharg with a bunch of uh, adjectives, respectively. Send a picture of their mom from the 60s saying she's a right little girl. I was about to say, it's like, hey, listen, Tharg, my mom's hot. Am I right? That's what what we're doing now. We're sending our hot moms into the nerve center, everybody. I, <laughs> I feel the, like right, that's the I, future we want. Well, I feel like if you're the guy and I hope that you're listening, if you are listening, if you're like, my mom was hot. First, respect. Second, maybe, maybe don't admit your mom's hot to a publication. Medium respect. Moderate respect. Just don't just don't say your mom's hot to a publication that then publishes your letter and your mom's I, picture. I appreciate your appreci- your own appreciation for your mom, I guess. I, well, that's what I'm saying is like like I, it it's not also I will weird not though. assume it's sexual, but also maybe don't. You know? That's what a right that's what a right goer means, Fox. A, hey, is she a goa? Wink, wink, is nudge, that, nudge. Say that, no more. He said knowingly. Does she go? Oh my god! Okay, oh, this is this is so many layers. I didn't understand. Maybe, maybe, maybe. All right, let's continue. <laughs> Don't send me your hot mom photos. I'm putting it out there. I'm send fine. Send me I your hot plenty. mom photos. Okay, send me your hot mom photo so I can give them to Fox. That's how it goes. <laughs> the prog ends with an ad for Barclays Bank. Fox students get free overdraft. All right, but I'd prefer a free pen. Prog eight fifty seven. She's rough. She's tough. And most guys yell enough. It's Black Widow looking hot, drawn by Anthony Williams on this cover. In the nerve center, Thark addresses worries that Stallone will take his helmet off in the movie. I got bad news for you. And Kevin Walker is apparently doing storyboards for the film, which I thought was pretty cool. I've loved Kev Walker's Kevin Walker's work in the magazine. There's actually, I found out, um, I found some of them online and they're very cool. And they've actually got all collected into a book of just like the art of the Judge Dredd movie, which I purchased off Amazon for six pounds and I'm just waiting to get delivered because I thought like, oh, this looks neat. There's also an image of a terrifying Dread year uh, Dread yearbook cover, which basically where they've got a uh, Dread, Mean Hershey, Armitage, and Devlin Waugh's heads all sort of smushed together, sharing eyes, which we covered a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then in the nervous center, there's a picture of Dread arresting James T. Kirk. Letters asking for back issues, complimenting the thrill power of Prague 851, complaining about Pat Mills' takes on women, and a dude named Leo, Leo! demands his name be, be printed in massive letters, and Tharg agrees with like there's a star around it too. The, a final letter demands that Dredd keeps his helmet on in the course of the movie. I got bad news. And the Prague ends up with a trip to the thrill archives. For Dead Meat with art by Simon Jacobs. Jacob. Yeah. Eh. 
Nah, Ram. 8.58, Peter Doherty draws Lenny the car barreling down on Dread. It's Roadhog Day, Fox. Oh, man. Roadhog Day? Like like Groundhog Day? I guess the movie had come out recently in England, probably. Or maybe when they were put this together, it was it had. That's my guess. Okay. In the Nerf Center, Thug plugs the upcoming Dread story, Book of the Dead. And there's a droid profile on colorist Gina Hart. And this might be the first profile on a female creator we've seen here. Not that there's many to choose from. She likes Wuthering Heights, a Nat King Cole. And the yellow text on choice. blue and red background is very hard to read. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Mid-prog, there's an ad for various 1994 celebrity calendars. Um, they they the the uh, abbreviations and name list. I think it's kind of funny, Fox. They call uh, Jean Claude Van Damme just Claude Van Damme, and misspell what? both Michelle Pfeiffer and Metallica in the listings. Uh, that just feels like an oversight. And also, yeah, just- Michelle Pfeiffer deserves better. Well, then being in a being in a poster for some lad's bedroom in 1994. I don't know. Yeah, I, she I think you're deserves. Right, a lady's name, which is her own name. Yeah, not to tap. Yeah, when you take the L off, then it becomes Michel. You're in France or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the input page is a picture of Blockhanger, which is the, a cliffhanger Stallone as Dread dropping his helmet while hanging from a high wire. Letters compliment Inferno and the return of Slain and Strontium Dogs. They continue to love Big Dave, though the editors say the Big Dave debate is over. Stop sending letters. And what? complain Who? about the... Who? People like it. Yeah. Who? They're cherry picking to defend themselves against the criticism they've gotten. I'm <laughs> going to, like to ask. Me. I'm going to ask people. Big Dave. Fuck you. I mean, uh, like, listen, come at me in the comments. I don't want to. Yeah. No, at no, Conrad. I, <laughs> I do, but as we're as we're recording this, those big the Big Dave episodes are coming out. And like, I'm already feeling like a lot of like, oh, come on. Lighten oh, up. No. Lighten up your dang bleeding hearts and so forth. And I don't want to get into it. I don't like, I don't want to have Dave just, I've had enough of it. Let's go. (laughs) Cause the letters always complain about the difficulty of maintaining the perfect temperature of a bath, which I can kind of empathize with, but I'm also bummed with just because as a man of size, I can't really take baths. unless I'm in sort of a special bathtub. Listen. So the way you do a bath, right. Mm-hmm. You you pour it extra hot about halfway you want to make it, regardless of, of size. Like you you in the bath of your choice, right? Mm-hmm. Make it about halfway. Go in there, scald your balls and butt cheeks. Ooh. Right? Finally. Yeah. You're like, oh God, this is too hot, but um I'm getting normalized to it. And then you pour a bit more. Pop the cork on the drain, pour the hot water back in. So it fills up to the top because you fill faster than you than you drain. Mm-hmm. Pop the drain in when you're ready. When things start to feel a little bit more tepid, pop the drain out, pour in a little bit more out water. Ooh. Like trust me when I say that as somebody who who toured through Japan and like baths oh, yeah. baths are a big fucking deal thing. Like what when you're not in a hot spring, right? It's like look, sure. there there are ways that you can serve water. And the ways that you can serve water are make the bath super hot, but don't fill it up because when you come in, you're going to bring that water to to like a to a sizable point. Once you fill the tub to a point and you get into it, it's a little bit too hot. 
you turn it back on, you fill it to a point where you're actually pretty okay. Your knees are going to come out or your whatever's going to come out. You turn it off, right? But the point is, is that once it starts getting cold, that's when you start draining. You start Mm. turning on the faucet to bring in that hot water. And then you cover back up the drain, whether it's with your foot or whatever. And you're actually conserving water in that you're keeping tepid water, but you're heating that tepid water up with with like a lot less gradual um, heat because that's going to distribute more evenly and it's going to keep that heat in. And what's actually keeping the heat in is not not actually the water, but how big your your bathroom is based on your tub and closing your door like you. It's technically what you're making is a sauna. So as long as your head and whatever's above the water feels like you're warm, you're actually going to feel warm throughout. It's not really the tub water. Um, Fox, let me let me suggest something that we should do. Because we're talking about these baths. Go go to a hot spring because, Conrad, yes, we should. And I would take you to one. And let me tell you, I've been to so many in my life. I don't know if there's I don't know if there's hot springs in England, but we could go to bath in England. No. Well, so this is the thing. <laughs> the town. Con- Conrad, I'm I'm telling you right now. Yes, of course, I go to bath. Whatever. But we can also, go to bath and, and, then, and then we can go to Weston Supermare and go to the boardwalk, bro. Come well, on. But, but also what I would tell you, Conrad, is. Uh, as someone who's who has bathed with multiple gentlemen in the same hot springs as me, like mm-hmm. my dude, there is no body shame in a in a bathtub. It is yeah, just about life, like, buddy. dude. And then and then and this is the real ticket. After you've gone in real hot and you kind of come out because you're like, oh, I'm I'm really warm and I'm gonna kind of shower a little bit. You have an ice cold milk. Oh, see. I was thinking we do a Scandinavian style where you do oh, the song and you just jump. run out into the snow yes. and they beat you with fish or whatever. My That's dude, exciting. my dude, do you want to do? Do you want to do a a, a Finnish sauna with me sometime? Uh, yeah, this let's is go all to off Finland. record. Come on, like Live listen, like listen. I like I have people I can talk to. We can go to their to their cabins in Finland. Mostly, my dream is just to go to British seaside towns. At this point, Fox Western Supermare. I got to go to Blackpool. We gotta. We I gotta, gotta figure out up. how to if. I don't even know if you can go to Butlins as a solo ma- as a, as a bachelor fox, but I'm interested to find out. I mean, if it's anyway. called the Butlins, you're definitely not solo because people are looking for that butt. Mmm. Good. I can't believe we just talked about like for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> keeping it all in, Fox. I don't care. I, I'm so glad that we're keeping it in. The prog ends with a splash page for the Book of the Dead story, which we'll see in the next Whoops. issue with the start of that story. Come on. Art by Dermot Power, etc. There's a mummy in there, Fox. I appreciate. Um, I like a mummy. Hover bikes that seem impl- uh, uh, inspired by a Serpentor's hover vehicle from G.I. Joe, if you ask me. I don't like that, though. Serpentor is, is lame. I'm, I'm uh, much this- more of... I, well, I was about to say, who's, who's the silver face man? Destro. Destro. I'm a Destro man. But Destro teamed up with Dr. Mindbender and they looted the crypts of the world to get the DNA to make Serpentor, buddy. Means to an end. All of that was in turn caused because the the idea for it was put in their heads by the um like 
Yeah, the, the weird big snake ass, human the weird snake hybrids human from, man. From, from, I know, from I know. Cobra La Fox. My Cobra dude, La. I I know what you're talking about. I'm just not gonna talk about it. And then Don Johnson's <laughs> there too. God, fucking love GI Joe. Eight fifty nine. Judge like an Egyptian. Dermot Power draws a Luxor judge in that mummy pose with a laser whip and the rod and stuff like that. And the I nerve mean, center. Was yeah. it was it a blue laser or a red laser? Well, I mean, this guy's got blue, absolutely. So he must be a good guy, thing. I'm just saying. I love that in G.I. Joe, like if a good guy picks up a bad guy's gun, it will then fire a blue laser. It's yeah, got like a mood because ring it's kind a of thing. good guy. Yeah. Um, in the Nerve Center, Thurg announces that Dermot Power is handling art for both Dread and Slain this issue. Fabry is taking the week off to get married, basically. We have a profile on Dermot Power himself, his favorite food, and is anything you can cook in under four minutes. Mid-issue, there's an ad for a new comic based on on Captain Scarlet and the Mysterians, which is a marionation show from the 60s that got a new run in fall of 1993, like uh, Team America, Fox, like those like puppets that do a TV show. The input page is a nice picture of Judge Death and complain about other people complaining about misspellings in the comic. They give their blanket support, or Tharg gives his blanket support for jacking up the prices of old progs. There's and there's a demand for more stupid and meaningless letters, and someone announces their engagement in the pages of 2000 AD with a box of the heart shape in it. The prog ends with a star scan of the new thrill Time House. With the whole family posing in front of stately and sort of stately Thai manor, and we'll learn more about that uh, next episode. Time House. Hey, Fox. Uh, Conrad. How do you feel about twists? <sighs> Tepid. How do you how At do you best. feel about this? How do you feel about the storytelling concept of a of a conservation of characters? I honestly hope that characters retain a certain type of um, humanity that they started when we when we first sort of um, learned about them and that that continuity kind of stays with them as they build their character. It can change over time, especially with something that really um, challenges them and makes them something new. Kind of like, um, you know, the Gronk, when he decided suddenly to be very different, uh, that was, for me, so important and so changing in the Gronk's character because uh, there was a reason for it, which the reason was uh, I am going to completely ignore all of my stats as a, a big, white, hairy mm-hmm. thing, and I'm, and I'm going to just be different now. Uh, basically tangentially different from from what I was. Um, and I'm going to do a skateboard. Are there more of that where we're going? Is there is there more of this uh, like, oh, gee, I don't know. We're going to just like do stuff because it's it, it seems interesting. Let me ask you one more question, Fox. How do you feel about a plant full of monsters that look like dicks? I'm into it. <laughs> That's so bad. You have no idea. <laughs> Real four strontium dogs. Script robot Garth Ennis, art robot Nigel Dobbin, learning robot Glib. 
All right, so the British starship Jervis Bay, which is a bay in Australia, is on its way to the colony world of Ergen, which was a Zionist paramilitary organization from before the creation of Israel. But anyway, it's suddenly hit oh, by the Jesus. Yeah, it's hit by the mystic powers of the Lyran sorcerers. And so instead of going to Ergen, they're going to hell. The well, well, I mean, you know, worst detours, right? Yeah, and I'm doing that thing where my hand sort of moves up and down like, eh. Oh. <laughs> the captain of the ship rises, shoots most of his crew, and forces the navigator to set an autopilot so, course for Parnell's world and so, then stares at him. So, so this is the thing, Conrad? If you see your captain shoot everybody and then he's like, you have to do this in this time and you if you don't do it, I'll shoot you. You have to be like, I mean, motherfucker, you're going to shoot me. Yeah, I feel like that's that's that that's true, too. But I also feel like he knows that, like, at most, he'd just be delaying the ship getting reprogrammed. So you might as well do it and hope maybe he'll spare you, I guess. I mean, he's a crazy person. Anyway, no, yeah, please. Not good. Now the sorcerers only need to prepare and wait. Three days later, Farrell and the Gronk are getting all their gear ready. Farrell just needs a pistol and his finger blades, while Gronk has a whole arsenal. When they're told that a British freighter is on its way, maybe a troop ship. The rebel mutants set up sandbags and prepare their defenses as the ship flies in um, and lands hard on the ground. Farrell is just quieted by this and he and the Gronk head into the ship. As after it's motionless for a few minutes, walking the corridors, the place is quiet and empty, dead, literally so, when they reach the bridge and find the whole crew slaughtered. Aboard the ship, the boys are then speeding to Lyra. They've just sort of tossed the corpses out and are making their way, discussing the fact that this is all incredibly easy and obviously a trap, but sometimes you got to walk into traps if you want to kill a hunter, you know? What what I what I feel like is so disingenuous about it is it's that it's Gronk kind of mainly saying like, oh, it's definitely a trap. It's fine. Like, fuck it. Yeah. We'll just be prepared. And then Snicked is the reason. It, it's so, I'm not a big fan of this. <laughs> no, it's just, it's so big a change for the Gronk, especially. And like, unreasonably so, you know, like, yeah, not great. Definitely. They arrive in the Algol system where a red sun illuminates worlds with names like Stygia and Incuba. And finally, Lyra, where the sorcerers with their skeletal faces and black robes seemingly lined with intestines or brains or something wait. Oh, they're just, it's the whole, they're all just a race of goatsies going on here, Fox. Terrible. No I need mean, to find the dogs. They'll really, come to the sorcerers. It's really a race of, of, uh, a four-skinned dick fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I a red rockets, right? They got like their little turtle cat penises. Up. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. I don't know how much I'm going to keep any of this stuff. I, uh, <laughs> don't right, like this as best you can. Making too many dick references, Fox. It's no good. We see Gronk and Pharaoh walking through the Lyran countryside full of gross meat plants and deadly giant murder worms. They fight the worms, but it's a running battle. They move out, unaware they're headed straight for the Lyrans. It's as easy as taking the eyes from a mutant, which they did to Johnny Alpha, you fuckers. I ain't forgotten. <laughs> well, and that's going to come back to bite you in the, well, someplace. The yeah. tentacle you in the ass. Finally. 
50 or more goatee <laughs> 50 or more worms are attacking the dogs but a well-placed grenade seems to make them back off pharaoh and the gronk begin to elden elden ring their way up a cliff face to a scary castle yes pharaoh yes queen <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. They're looking at their map and they're sort of a comet kind of thing. Pharaoh realizing that the sorcerers are probably expecting them. And how I see that there's a bunch of like fires outside of this specific cave. We're going to go into this crevasse and we're going to go in and we didn't bring a torch. God damn it. Oh, look, there's all these writhing masses. How astute, just like his Ooh. father, one of the sorcerer's foreshadows, as they plan to kill the Gronk. Just like his father, we're going to make him understand. Ooh, I can't wait till we wriggle up his feelings about his daddy. They enter the cave because the worms are coming back to chase them. And it's full of people all melded to the walls of the cave, all gross and tentacly. Suddenly a, Don't worry, one of them is your daughter. <laughs> suddenly a lyron appears and calls the cave beautiful. Suddenly just a bunch of tentacles grow out of the ground and attack Pharaoh. I warned you. Gronk prepares to shoot the sorcerer when the lyron and summons then, a, and And no, and then they summon. Just a big mouth, fangy no, mouth. The, nah, man. The, the, the very spiky... Uh, Halloween teeth that you put in your mouth to pretend like you're a vampire, but it also cuts your gums. Oh, yeah, yeah, or just the the skeletal underpinnings of the uh, Rolling Stones logo, something like that. I mean, that's giving them a lot, but yeah. Anyway, the Lyran laughs evilly as you do, and then sends the Gronk hurtling down some kind of endless crevasse and heads to menace Pharaoh, who lashes out with his claws, slicing the face of this wizard. Lyran Daddy, calls, no! <laughs> the Lyran calls Pharaoh's scum, and his face is all <laughs> bloody. He explains that his, his powers run on agony, which is taken from the thousands, millions of people held in constant torment here in the cave, the souls that they've eaten and caged, everyone they've killed here in new flesh forever. But if everyone they've killed is here, that must mean Johnny Alpha is here too. Johnny! Johnny! Daddy, are you here? <laughs> Daddy, can you hear me? Pharaoh calls can out to his comrade. Can you hear me, Johnny, Daddy? But the wizard I'm punches the mutant out and drags by him away. A thousand whips of. Oh, shit. Come on, buddy. Here we go. Don't touch me. You're not my daddy. No, no, no. Come on. Let's go. Don't rub me. I'm not your son. But who's my daddy? Okay. Tell me who's my daddy. Let's go. (laughs) I know. Listen, I was going to do a musical at the very least. You got stuff to do, man. We got to keep going. No, I know, but I, I was very excited because I got I got in the melodic tune, I totally. got in the key, 
And I, I just had to surf it, man. I'm sorry. Fair. No, Daddy, okay. let Fair me enough. surf the tune. No one to blame but yourself Daddy here, Conrad, for the record. <laughs> don't make me attack you, Conrad. Whoa, no, come on. I'm trying to help Conrad, you, buddy. Conrad, the abyssal servant of my iniquities. Oh, Whoa. Conrad, did you tell me that my Daddy is no, please. Don't tell me. He was the bad guy. Uh, yeah, come funny, I'm trying to. So <laughs> the the sorcerer knocks Farrell out and carries him away. And as he does, a slightly familiar face forms out of the wall of meat and groans out. Fair. Oh. Meanwhile, the Gronk finally lands, pulls out a flashlight, and finds himself shoulder deep in a pool of blood and grossness. It's time to get climbing, I guess. My heart says in a pool of blood. Finally. I hear Johnny Alpha. But who do I recompense with this lens that I'm focusing on? Farrell awakes to find himself strapped to a bone altar, and a sorcerer asks if the name Charnel is familiar. He was, of course, the, uh, the evil sorcerer <laughs> from The Final Solution. And we see the wizard burning to death as Middenface McNulty flips him off from that storyline. But they don't care about Middenface. Min- <laughs> they care about Farrell because Charnel was Farrell's Faja. Oh, no! Chanel was your father, Viral. Told me enough. Told what me you kill say him. you in front of this council? And now they're going to send Farrell to hell to bring Charnel <laughs> back. We're going to send you to hell to feast your father and bring him back to the mortal coil. Farrell, bring Chanel from hell to the mortal coil. Oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, Fox, Astronium Dogs, moderate <laughs> times. There's monsters. It wasn't great. And I had to, I, I'm very, listen, I'm very proud of what I did. Sure. I'm not against it. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no, literally, like, literally no, my Conrad, only problem is that, Conrad, is that, is that, is that Conrad. we start recording, you say, hey, I got to go. I got to be fast. No, I know, I know, I know. But Conrad. I'm not going to have my- a lot of asides, Fox. <laughs> That's what you tell me. Conrad. And then you just have a free form, <laughs> multi, multi-chorus musical and like you know, I'm just I'm trying to keep Conrad, it going, Fox. Conrad, what I love is 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 I I'm just looking at the at the at the like critics acclaim of it. It's like oh, it's fine. Conrad says, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> as as like co-author co-writer, he's like, it was fine. Yeah, no, the only the first non the first non-consensual musical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 just, I mean, that's a tagline. The first just, uh, just but, forced but into in these the, stances but, against but, my and then, will. And then Fox. it's like, and then it's like dot, 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 but not in the way you think. Yeah. Please exactly. don't listen, say not, yeah. listen, as someone who's sung a ton on this show, I want everybody just to realize what's going on here. All right. <laughs> Ridiculous. Conrad just said consensually <laughs> that he was dot, dot, dot. It was a fine show, I guess. 
Listen, I'll try. I'll roll with the punches, Fox. All right. This is a thirty percent Rotten Tomatoes score at best. Fine, give it a B minus. Yeah, I mean, like, look, you could watch it. I guess. <laughs> well, you can't. You know, it's a podcast. Anyway, let's go to the past where they know how to party, Fox. And go. I mean, they know how to behead at the very least. Finally, and check out Thrill Five Slain. Oh, is this? Uh, we're starting with the the hot mom. At last, yeah, probably. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Glenn Fabry, and Dermot Power, letting robot Steve Potter. Slain and Ucko Fox, they're in first century CE England, <laughs> fighting the Roman invasion of the British Isles. Listen, we're calling the Roman not, Caesarians here. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're not going to murder them on the slab, at the very least, give them a, <laughs> a chance to either A, grab a woman's chest and be requited, mm-hmm. B, Talk about some exposition as to why they don't like Romans and see potentially wind up with Budusia. I mean, I think we know why they don't like Romans because they like, or, you know. Or is it is it Budusia or Boudica? Depends on know. where I'm at. I don't know. You said Budusia last time. I think I'm, I'm, I'm going with that one. I yeah, always so, say Budusia. I don't know. I've, I haven't heard it that much. I got to say, I don't run in a lot of pagan circles. Um, but so okay. I. Wow. I don't know. Big man just, on campus. I don't know, buddy. <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm I, sorry. Now I'm, I'm I'm not in Demon Killer. I did my my front songs. Live it up. Um, I should mention it. Yeah, I, I think kind of interesting thing that they're they're calling them Caesarians here, which you pointed out last time, Fox. A reference both to the emperor at the time and neckbeard innovator well, he- Nero Claudius Caesar Augustus Germanicus. But also, but he wouldn't have been Caesar at the time. He actually would have been a part of the triumvirate. No, 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 no. Ti- this is no. This is this the, is one hundred CE because we're we're talking about Nero here, who's em- who's who's emperor way after the triumvirate, which is more oh, about that's... you know Julius Caesar or Augustus. This is like two or three Caesars after that. Oh no, you're right. This is uh, Hadrian's Wall era. I yeah, mean, it'll, it's them. leading up to that. Yes, but yes. No, no, that's that's kind of the way that I see it. Okay, yes, you're right because I was thinking Germania in terms of France. No, and, well, well, Germanicus and, is and, Nero's sort of like one of his honorific names because he was took part in, or he had troops conquering oh, it and stuff like that in in France and Germany, correct? Yeah. Or Gaul, as they said at the time. Well, they were Gaul barbarians. I mean, Asterisk <laughs> shit going on. Who's um, who's really counting? Am I right? But I should mention also. Um, that like the Caesarian term also has some heavy stuff just around like Caesarian sections and the implied like I don't know like unnaturalness or disconnect from motherhood that you could sort of talk about with the villains of this piece. I don't really agree with that view of C sections, but does seem par for the course with what I feel like Mills w- would believe at this time as <laughs> we're writing this. I guess it's a lot of Earth Goddess stuff. It's, anyway, it's a it's a weird thing because it's both sex and removing flesh right yeah yeah i don't so, want to get like you know. hey man let's not get deep into this <laughs> no because i'm not because mostly the the flesh removal i'm interested in is a uh, brain balls getting separated fox slain and ucko arrive at a british village where what's theirs is yours and ucko tries to cop a feel immediately because of this 
Slade wants to hear more about the story of the invasion, though, and we learned that I was wrong last time when I said Boudicca was executed and said she was just whipped by Elfric and her daughters violated. And we then see an attack on Mona, the Island of Witches, which is now the Isle of uh, Anglesey, as they call it, sort of off the northeast coast of Wales. We see the Caesareans arriving on the island and finding a big riot of buff naked ladies convorting around a bonfire with giant with a giant paleolithic venus statue as they tear men limb from limb eating and throwing their organs all over the place oh i mean there's one just picking the brains out of a dude and she's seeming like super into it i i'm oh, yeah. i'm all into this this is this is what we would call a hashtag lady feast <laughs> lady bosses lady feasting Roman- but, I mean, listen, if if they weren't lady bosses, why would they be lifting a whole half man as they're dancing around the fire? Yeah, they're buff as shit. Feasting, buff as shit, feasting on their bones. Answer, totally. they're lady bosses. Indeed. That's the, what they eat. The Roman captain orders an attack, but the soldiers dare not as these women stand without fear, mutilating and casting spells, raining arrows and sling stones down on them. Luckily, would you? I would not. Like, come. Well, I, I wouldn't attack anybody, Fox. Basically, a pacifist. Luck, no. Although I enjoy no. stories of war and little toy soldier dudes. Luckily, Elfric is there to motivate the Romans with his battle cry: "Kill violently!" I mean, Singing. his his battle cry is like, "I'm totally into it." That's right. <laughs> Singing battle songs, the Roman attack the women, slaughtering them and burning down the holy groves as Elfric declares victory for his maggot god, Krom Kruak, and the rest of the dark gods of Scythral, which, you know, we haven't forgotten about, but we're just not emphasizing. And I'll mention, Fox, that this doesn't actually happen at this point. In fact, the conquest of Inglesi was halted in 60 CE specifically because the troops were needed to deal with the burning of Colchester and, and Boudicca's revolt. And the island wasn't actually covered and conquered until 78 CE when Vespasian was emperor. History! Anyway. All, I mean, that's just you checking Pat Mills at the door right there. I just like this stuff. Slain swears revenge, and Ucko makes a very Conrad point about a bunch of naked jerks with battle axes being no match for organized Roman legions. Slain says that won't make a difference when he's warped, then punches Ucko right in the face when he tries to make a point about battle axes versus gladii in terms of, you know, like, axes need a big swing when you get close and stab a dude in the so, gut. You can't uh, really do I anything. I mean, all of, all of the things that Ucko says are correct. And oh, yes. what I'm surprised about is that he's not like, listen, they built it so that when you stabbed a dude and all the blood came out, it wouldn't just be all over the blade all the time, because that actually adds to rust because of all the iron and blood. Totally. You know, Slain, not interested in these fun facts, Fox. Very sad. Going to lose trivia night when they have Very it. sad. Losing trivia night. Queen Bodicea has gathered her forces, 120,000 strong, and has lit the fires of Beltane, 1st of May, and let her fi- And they say let their fires consume the Caesareans and their enslavement called civilization. First move is to burn the Roman city of Colchester and its alien temple uh, dedicated to the uh, former Emperor Claudius. Ucko sneaks away as Bodicea calls for a volunteer to be her consort for a year, then be put to death. 
Who will eat the burnt oat cake of doing it with this lady who's got a crown of lit candles, Fox? Who will be the dead man? I mean, it's slain, it were, obviously slain. It, what? Really? I was yeah. gonna, I was about to say Nicolas Cage, but that's fine. No, he's getting a whole different Wicker Man kind of situation, honestly. I mean, bees and sex are basically the same thing. It's pollination, etc. That's true, buddy. Fuck so many bees. That dude fucked so many bees. <sighs> he recognizes the queen as an <laughs> avatar of the Earth Goddess, and they make out. In Colchester, a Roman dude goes to talk to Elfric, who's chilling in a bathhouse, as we mentioned, mid-debauchery, sampling all the craziest food from Roman times. Flamingo tongues, slugs fed on breast milk, dormice in their nests all fried up, all that kind of stuff. I mean, honestly... I'd give it a shot. There's nothing on there I wouldn't give a shot. Like, maybe... I'd I'd give it all a shot. Like, I'd eat milk fed... Slugs, I'm a little leery about breast milk fed slugs. I, I mean, if just because that seems like a waste of breast milk, Fox. Like, have, you know, there, there's you, milk banks and stuff. Ha- have you had, uh, like any sort of, of, um, uh, goose liver? Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, like a pate. It's nice. Yeah. Decadent, so, listen, very rich. Like, what they're being fed is like super rich, right? So, Oh, yeah. It's the no. same way that I, I, I approached, like, say, snails. When I tried snails for the first time out of the shell, mm-hmm. it was the most delicious thing. Absolutely. Yeah, those it's just a butter delivery system. It's excellent. Gar- yeah, yeah, exactly. It was delicious. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll say, like, I don't know. I, I feel like I hit a point maybe in my, like, late 20s or something, or maybe even earlier. I don't know. But, you know, I think a lot of people do this where... You know, you can reach a point in your adulthood where you stop caring about things being icky, I guess, or sort of like, I don't know. Yeah, like exactly. Like, I stopped being a picky eater, I guess. Something. I was like, sort- oh, yeah, it's chicken feet. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to eat those chicken feet. Something I've, I I I kept meaning to do, but 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 missed it at New Year's this year was to try to, like, get some, like, try some, like, haggis and stuff just because, you know, that's been a punchline food, I feel like, my entire life. But, you know, to get it sort of actually made... You know, like like the real thing cooked well or something for like Hogmanny or whatever seems pretty haggis, cool. Haggis is weirdly not the weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Yeah, and it doesn't like, you know. And it tastes great. <laughs> I just think. God. Totally. I just think back to like, I don't know. I, I, I remember I saw like a um a really old Scooby-Doo ca- cartoon where they go to. Oh, uh, haggis. Whoa. Well, in this one, they they go to Japan and like they go to like a, they see a cart with like sushi and Shaggy and Scooby start eating it, and then a sign flips around translating sushi to raw fish, and they're like, "Ew, yeah!" Wow, I'm like sushi's great, yeah. And yep, it's one of those no, things sushi where sushi is literally raw fish. Yeah, but like you know, where just because of my I don't know, like my five year old brain, it sounds gross, and I don't want to try it. But you know, at this point. I'm an old man or, you know, a grown-up. And I'm like, yeah, listen, like, if other people eat it, how bad can it be? And at some point, you just sort of chew it up and, like, I'll, yeah. eat, it. I'll eat anything, Fox. I'll give it a shot I mean, or I'll at least listen, give anything a shot. Haggis burger? Let's do it. Give me those flamingo tongues. I want a flamingo tongue burger. And if you don't give it to me, you're a part of the deep state. And that's why you're dark blue, because you've been living deep underground. 
probably I'm not true, honestly. into this flamingo tongues and badger noses. That's <laughs> some stuff that's only left for the proprietary state. It is something, yeah. It's something that you would find in a in an email. On a well, or or underneath a like a or underneath a Pizza Hut, or underneath the Pizza Hut, or underneath the Pizza Hut. The Centurion warns <laughs> that the current fortifications of Colchester are inadequate to face a large barbarian horde, and that there's terrible omens pointing to such a horde coming. Elfric res- responds as you do by jabbing a dagger right through this guy's mouth, not the back of his head. Laughing as his three eyes glow, the barbarians will kill every man, woman, and child in this city, and it'll be worth it to draw out Slain so Elfric can offer him to the dark gods of Scythrall. <laughs> Good times. Bodicea attacks Colchester from all sides with chariots and a massive horde. Raise it to the ground with some pretty good combat scenes as dudes are run over by wheels and Slain leaps into oh, combat. Oh, God. Roman <laughs> Sexy armor. Sexy combat. Totally. No match for pagan bravery. They give no quarter, mutilating and skewering men, women, and children, and the old, just as they were not given any quarter when the Romans invaded. A lot of blood is needed to appease the angry goddess as we see slain pretty clearly about to murder a little girl with a stuffed animal. It's like sucking her thumb or whatever. Meanwhile, Ucko is chilling in a tavern with a bunch of Romans. They're all getting high on ergot cakes, which um, is are basically these like rye cakes where the the grain has gotten kind of moldy, basically. And like the fungus that grows on rye then has a um, some hallucinogenic properties, essentially. Real thing. And it's, it's, it's what the druids did to commune with the spirits, etc. I mean, et but, but like ergot is literally poison. Oh, yeah, it's that too. I mean, there's lots of things that will make you trip balls that are also poison, Fox. Okay. You know, it's about dosages. That's what I'm trying to say. I have nothing to say about this because I won't say anything about this that is incriminating. But ergot cakes are <laughs> are are real and like historic. You know, they, they're historically used by but by druids in like Conrad. The Islands, I've had ergot before. Live it <laughs> to up. be clear. Anyway, Slain bursts in and finds this, and Ucko using. They're like, you know, stealing these um, these holy items from the druids and then using them recreationally is a step too far. He's freaking made uh, you, you, you made a chip and dip using communion wafers here. It's not not cool. And so they're going to take him to the Wicker Man. Oh, no. I hate Wicker Man, Fox. Meanwhile, Elfric and a few Romans remain heavily outnumbered, but still killing dudes. Of course, they go to fall back to the Temple of Claudius, where they, not Elfric, will make their final stand. (laughs) Jesus. Dermot Power takes over on art as the Romans run for the temple as Bodicea rallies her troops, uh, then giving a rousing speech over images of Slain and the others, you know, cutting down statues, chopping down doors of the temple, preparing to murder the non-combatants hiding within. Boudicca herself beheads a centurion as slain murders people begging for, or slain slaughters people begging for mercy. No mercy for tyrants. Blood runs in the streets and Boudicca congratulates slain for a job well done, but slain wonders where Elfric is and suddenly a trapdoor opens up underneath him. Oh no! He falls deep into the earth 
to a cave where Elfric stands in front of a giant statue of a Scythron, and we see a bunch of people suspended from hooks in the ceiling, bleeding into bowls beneath as Elfric welcomes Slain to the true temple. None of that lame Roman stuff, but to the dark gods of Scythral, complete with diluvial demon warriors. Luckily, these guys are bullshit, and Slain takes him out right away, so Elfric will have to settle this himself. He takes a stab at Slain, and Slain axes Elfric's brain, but Elfric is a macrobe, of the macrocosm and thus oblivious to pain and death, Slain ain't so tough and gets instantly killed by a laser blast from Eldrick's third eye. Oh no, Slain is dead! I mean, is he though? Uh, well, is I mean, he? you know, Slain will return in May of 1994. That's what I'll say about <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. Oh gosh, we fought and kicked our way through these thrills. Not a bad month, I thought, actually. This one, October 1994, I, or ni- uh, 93, I should say. It is, for me, a spokesperson for what we're doing, as was last month. Uh, I wish this is what we would expect, but you keep telling me no. I mean, there's ups and downs, you know, for sure. Honestly, I'm All interested right. to see where, where we're going from here. Increasingly... We're getting into parts of 2000 AD where I've technically read them, but a lot of times I was skipping through or just or just flipping around, not reading very closely, you know? Um, there's other times where, and like, I will say that like, we've had some fun stuff. I'd say there's at least one story that we'll have before the end of the year that's sort of famously not a, not a good one, <laughs> I guess. And I'm just, fu- I'm happy to see where things go. I'm having, I'm definitely having fun here. But oh, I must sure. know, thus, what your oh, top no. thrills are, Fox. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. Tell me. <sighs> Conrad. So, while we may have said Tyranny Rex last time. Mm-hmm. I think you said mean, we, mean Arena last time. Well, right. I, I'm mention. saying we. I'm saying we. Okay. I mean, Conrad. It's Mean Arena for top. I'm, I'm loving Mean Arena. I'm nice. sorry. Like, don't let, what I love, don't let me what I, stop you from making these picks, buddy. Do what you want to do, 100%. What I what I love about Mean Arena is that it. I'm not surprised by anything. Like, you know what? I'm not going to defend this in any way. Yeah, mean Arena you like it. is, Come on. for me, people doing a sport that is a blood sport. And we've got a pretty decent good guy. We don't know his backstory. They haven't gone into it in like ridiculous detail. We're getting a ton about the world in terms of how they treat people. But I know nothing about the main character. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And I love how other people are interacting with that main character, not knowing anything other than, hey, listen, my mom or grandmother taught me to beat the shit out of people. That's all we've got. That is all we got. Absolutely. About Mr. Mean Arena. And I'm okay with that. It's, it's that there's the potential for build and there's these, this outside kind of force coming in. Right. Um, My secondary to this, I have to do a good thing is tyranny Rex, but tyranny Rex only in terms of like the qualifiers of what was being talked about 
I don't think that the using the word rape in something I think is a very strong, especially hmm. when it comes to changing someone to who they were and into someone who they are now. It can be very transformative. And I think it was used cheaply. Hmm. I think that rape can be used as a change for a lot of characters, but I don't think that you can just say rape and use it as somebody who, you know, I come from a a family of women. Like my only other family is like one brother and two sisters who are my baby girls. Sure. Um, Using that word to me is you have to deliver on it. And while I think they delivered on it in a, in a way that I found interesting, it doesn't mean that they gave respect to what rape means. And that's the problem that I had with E-Rex, is that you can put a spotlight on what that means and have it mean change, but they did it in a way where it's like, well, no man did it. Right. No one no one forced this change on somebody and what that ultimately meant. Well, I don't know. I feel like that's what it was, that that it was a change that was forced on her. Right. Well, like it, that it, it was. She a didn't change. want them to 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 like they sort of went into her brain and but and, and but changed not, her way she didn't want to do. She didn't want to be and stuff and made her, but, you know, something that she didn't want to be anymore, even if just bringing up stuff from the past. But not one that would be a conventional sense of of how that is applied to someone. It was applied I, in a in a sense through. Uh, okay, for me personally, I guess. I mean, oh, right? I, I just want to say, like, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of 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 that word used in. At, uh, m- of that I, word I, being used metaphorically at all, all right? Like, I've gotten exactly, advice about this. Exactly, exactly. That's where I'm saying that, like, for me, so, yeah, I don't I get, know if this place was the right place to use it. I get, but I feel like if you're gonna, this feels like the best example of it because it is very much, like, in a, like as an illustrative way to talk about the violation that she feels, um, yes. to, to have herself changed in this way and stuff. But, but I don't really want to. I, I don't really want to. But like, I can't. I, yeah. But I can't talk about that, right? So for me, as a reader, I didn't feel it was something that I, I, I didn't feel that it was worthy of that thing as a reader. Sure. Right? Yeah, I like, understand. I, I'm, this is not me looking at it as as a critic. As a critic, the the pros were all great. But I, I, it, it, it just kind of it put me in a different place where I had to think about my my talking about it might not have been the right person, right? Whereas when I look at Mean Arena, I can absolutely talk about it, right? Sure. So what I would what I would love to see is someone reading the Tyranny Rex John Smith pros through all of this i would love to know a woman's perspective of it right and the third place of that is hey listen slain slain doesn't give a shit slain slain is almost unforgiving of anything because it's it's trying to be in this 
category of like, hey, we're trying to capture this very specific mindset. Same thing to them. I would love to hear a a different person's sort of mindset towards looking at that. Because these, and the reason that I'm calling them both out is not that they're bad. It's that there are talking points here that I can't cover. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's the, I, and 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 I find them compelling to talk about. Yeah, I, I mean, would it's love. The, we've we bumped into this a little bit before. You know, it's 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 the problem of like whatever two <laughs> two people operating at near max privilege when we talk about <laughs> some of these. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> more more, um, you know, but, s- but it's subjects an, but it's that, an interesting that touch story. on on you know marginal more marginalized groups and stuff like that for sure. But, but what I find is that regardless of whether or not I, I can speak to it, what I can say is that I find those three stories compelling, right? Yeah. In terms of bottom, it's strontium dog all the way. <laughs> dogs. Yeah. And, for sure. and uh, well, and the problem with strontium dogs is that it's not that I don't like the characters that are a part of it. It's that I don't, because we have such a, a strong history with them, I don't believe the characters that are a part of it. Mm. One of them I do, right? Feral. I absolutely feel like this is a feral arc. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. And Conrad, I would love to know your opinion on these. <laughs> so please. I mean, yeah, I'll happily take Stranium Dogs as my bottom uh, thrill. You know, feral focus, never a real fan of. Like you, I'm not really into this rough, tough Gronk. Like, it just it doesn't like, feel it's normalized. Not, yeah, and it's just I don't know. It just I wish there were some cracks in the Gronk's facade at least. Like if he would be a little afraid of things or stuff like that. It just makes it so different from the other from the previous character that I don't really like well, it. Because I feel like he would be such a foil to. Yeah, like everything that's going on. Yeah, like having two different characters in this very scary situation. You know, having someone mention the the scariness or whatever, as opposed to just two dudes that are like we're we're rough and tough and gonna spring this trap or whatever. Like that, they're both like that. Just makes it a little samey. And then, like, we get to this, like, you know, Farrell is the son of a Charnel or you know of a Lyran sorcerer and stuff like. I don't really like this criticism very much, but this one really does feel a little a little fan fictiony. Like if you were writing some feral fan fiction, you wanted to tie him into other stuff. Like, ooh, but he's actually got mystic powers and stuff. It's got that kind of feel to it. Not really well, a fan. But, but like at the end of it, at like so, I had I had assumed that they were they were going to bring him in because of all of his feralness and all of the weird mm-hmm. H.E. Geiger kind of yeah. stuff that we were seeing. But it was literally no. We're just trying to get you for. I mean, maybe he's got else. that. He's got well, that no, stuff I, because I'm, Charles is his father or something. But yeah, but, I agree that I just don't like care. the stuff. But they literally didn't care. They were like, no, we're just gonna eat you up, and we'll get. Well, we'll see. They said that eventually. They said like, that they're I, sending I, him to I, hell. So we'll, I guess we'll see what that means. But I, like, I'm just you know. saying that it was it was really uh, it was eh. Yeah, it was that? No, not feeling. I, I'm it. glad to see. I guess that that uh, I uh, right. I don't want to say uh, it, but but that I guess that certain people may come back, but not in the right way. Mm-hmm. 
I will say that this is not like I I I know I've told you that Johnny Alpha does eventually return to life. He does not come back to life through the course of this story. Oh, thank sort of, thank fucking oh, God. Oh, okay, Peter good. Falk, you in uh, the Princess Bride that much at least. Thank <laughs> fucking God. Thank you, because I was <laughs> I was honestly fucking worried. Uh, I'll say for the that. record, I I don't know how they how they actually do that. Like it happens in the part of 2080 that I haven't read, but it definitely doesn't happen in the course of Stranium Dogs. Um, for this my, is not a good yeah. place for it. Please, for my top, um, you know, I thought, I thought this was a fun month. Not real, like I don't think it was. I don't think Dread was super. Like I don't know, John no, Smith. I don't think I so did either. feel really sad about um, about Merv and Darlene. That was a bummer. And then I got kind of like a, I got like a. I'm not, you know, a bit like a Star Wars style bad feeling about this for just Luxor in general. <laughs> Don't really like that at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think Mean Arena is fine. I'm not as charmed as it by you, but that's totally fine. Um, yeah, of course. I think Slane's really interesting, just how they are really like leaning into the brutality of the, um, of like the conquest of Col- of Colchester and stuff, and just they're really saying like these guys are killing everybody. Slain is killing children. He is killing women. He's killing unarmed people and stuff like that, which I think is really interesting and uh, just like an Hacks. interesting way to go for a heroic epic like this. You know, tyranny Rex. Tyranny Rex. My tyranny Rex. Tyranny Rex. Tyranny Rex. Because. Yes! Like, yes, I feel like it's if, so crazy. Like it's if insanity. Yeah, I think if there's one thing, if there's one thing I would criticize myself about in this podcast generally, it's that I don't talk enough about um, the art and what the art looks like and stuff like that. And that's something, or that what the art does. I try to do, Not but, you, I, but I, mean- I fall down about. But so, but because of that, when you get something like Tyranny Rex, which is so. You know, it is so writing forward, right? <laughs> it's like, like that's the, that's the, um, that's like what the big note is for Tyranny Rex is just that it's so heavily built around the writing and what's in those narration boxes and the illusions that Smith makes and the little things he does to tease you about, like, oh, what does that mean? Like, that's like, like the foreshadowing and the, um, and just tantalizing you with things that are, you know, and the mysteries that he creates and then resolves and stuff is so great. It's such an amazingly written story. And then back that up, um, both with with Buckingham and last episode Marshall's um, art here makes it just really a great just like, you know, one of these stories that is has action and mystery and pathos. And you kind of like you get to know this and like how this character changes and stuff i was really ready to be down on this just because of the like oh we we need the old tyranny rex like bring her back and she'll be cool and you know do that one pixar face with the one uh, or a sorry dreamworks face with the one eyebrow raised or stuff like that but it felt fun it felt earned and made me really interested to see where her adventures are going to go so for me uh, the this Tyranny Rex story has to be the top here, and I'm very excited for it to come back in uh, in '94. Man, I'm glad we're split. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I I because I, I I feel like there is this galactic adventure going on in Tyranny that it 
it just needs that emphasis, especially when it's like, hey, I'm going to cut this dude's arms and legs off <laughs> and stick a soul in his body. Whoops, the soul's gone. Oh, my bad. I think definitely something that we should talk about next episode is the importance of anticipation when it comes to 2008 thrills, for sure. Absolutely. And with that, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or a podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. On the 2080 forums or Facebook and Twitter pages, on Twitter at spacespinner2k. Uh, and then why not drop us a rating or review wherever it is you're listening? Subscribe and and so forth. It helps us out a lot. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and your friends at the 2000 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. And there you can get advanced episodes and other rewards. Then come back next time as Dread Walks Like an Egyptian. The Strontium Dogs fight the Sorcerers. We'll reach the end of Mean Arena and start two all-new stories, Time House and Cannon Fodder. Oh, what the fuck? That's Cannon with two N's, Fox. So Cannon, like like what comic book nerds argue about in Star Wars or whatever, or religious stuff. Religious stuff specifically, actually. I'm into it. (laughs) And until then... I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Don't blame me for comments!